Hello, you gorgeous lot, and welcome to episode 95 of Near Perfect Pitch. Right then, let's give you a rundown of what you can uh, hopefully expect to hear over the course of the next three, three and a half hours or so as I fade out the delightful teenage fan club. This episode is brought to you by Sean Charman, Jetstream Pony, and thank goodness, finally, the Jaffa Cake. And it's also brought to you by Terry Banks, the inimitable Dot Dash, and the Custard Cream. So that means two and two together and get your four I'm going to be talking to, to Sean from Jetstream Pony and Terry from Dot Dash at the end of the programme surrounded by songs and features and fun and frivolity so that's coming up uh, in about three hours or so new releases let's talk new releases shall we something new off the, the Be The Cowboy album uh, Mitski's new LP can play a song off that uh, a new track by The Catherines the prolific prolific the redefinition of the word and term prolific they, they are The Catherines and uh, they're going to hear something called How Come You Think Everybody Likes You new material by Pete Astor and uh, what else have we got new that I can share with you oh yeah there's a, the, the Cover Me this week is rather exciting it's, it's a new uh, it's a new song by by Soccer Mommy it's a cover version of a, a Bruce Springsteen tune it's not out yet out on October the 5th but uh, here's a uber uber teaser for that new releases by the Beths from New Zealand they are rather rather good in as much as there's something new by the psychedelic porn crumpets you did hear correctly and um, in amongst all of that the usual features the obligatory fall are Essential Wax which this week is Frightened Rabbit the weekly peel this week cover me as I've already semi alluded to we've got a hat trick today which is a 90s English shoegaze hat trick so it's thematic uh, I'm getting uh, more and more thematic in terms of these uh, random ones putting a little bit more effort into them I think uh, tend to have time and a couple of interviews of course kicking things off this week with some spiral carpets <laughs>
Mitski, brand new material off her fifth LP entitled Be the Cowboy. That's a tune called A Pearl. Go to mitski.bandcamp.com. Again, that is really, really decent stuff. The whole LP is absolutely stellar. Do give it a listen and uh, pay the artist. Go to Bandcamp and, and buy the record. Caravan by Inspiral Carpets off their second LP from 1991 on Meat Records. The LP being The Beast Inside. And of course, Caravan being one of the singles pulled off that record. Next up, I just told you that we're going to hear something new by The Catherines. And indeed we are. Here's How Come You Think Everybody Likes You. I'd rather stay alone Than to be a lover
all the way back to 1983. That's Big Country off 1983's debut, The Crossing, and that's their second single off that LP and their second single ever, Fields of Fire. That uh, video was absolutely stellar and the whole, well actually the first three Big Country albums were absolutely magnificent. Before that, brand new single by the singular Heiko and his band The Catherines. How come you think everybody likes you? The Catherines.bandcamp.com do support the artist. Next up, uh, let's go and uh, hear some more of the, the latest Dutch Uncles LP. I haven't played uh, much Dutch Uncles in uh, the recent past, and I think that's, uh, that's almost criminal. Here's the third single of their fifth and latest LP, released last year, entitled Big Balloon. We're going to hear a song called Streetlight. <laughs>
Just waiting. 
That's our obligatory for our track of the week. And uh, that is, again, just waiting off Code Selfish, their 14th LP on Cog Sinister Records. And I'm trying to figure out what day... And uh, that actually came out 1991. That was uh, that was released. Um, so that's one special feature out of the way. You've got to look forward to. We've got essential wax, which is frightened rabbits. Uh, the winter of mixed drinks. We've got our weekly peel this week. We've got our cover me, our uh, shoegaze hat trick, Tinterweb time, and two Van Dabby doozy interviews. One of which is with Sean Charman from Jetstream Pony. The other of which is with Terry Banks of Dot Dash. Next up, let's hear something new from Australia. Lead track to their new Deep in the Big LP by Perth, Australia's Rabbit Island. Here's Boxing Day.
track this week Frank Black and Teenage Fan Club from their four track John Peel session release which came out in 1995 it was actually recorded uh, in May the 14th of May 1994 and that's Handyman that's actually uh, not either one of their songs it's, it's a song written by Jimmy Jones and songwriter Otis Blackwell again Handyman that's our weekly Peel this week Teenage Fan Club with Frank Black of uh, their combined EP uh, from 1995, the release, and it was recorded in 1994. Before that, Boxing Day by Rabbit Island. Uh, that's uh, the lead track to their brand new LP, Deep in the Big, and I highly recommend uh, digging around their content. Uh, that sounds euphemistic, doesn't it? Uh, rabbitislandband.bandcamp.com. Ooh, I'm getting a, a litany of texts, don't know why. Um, next up, let's do something new by Pete Astor. Yeah, so go to peteaster.bandcamp.com for uh, a release that is unrelated to this. Just want to sell some records for him. But uh, when it comes to this particular release, he's got a new single 
coming out on October the 7th through Where It's At Is Where You Are Records. So if you go to wiaiwya.bandcamp.com, you can get to the Where It's At Is Where You Are uh, Bandcamp label page, and you can see and pre-order this wonderful record. It's a two-tracker. The the first track is Peter Cook. The second one, which you're going to hear right now, is Petrol and Ash. Petrol and Ash Here we go again Me and my stash Heaven's here, don't let it ever end Petrol and Ash My two Poison friends Forward and back Adrift again Adrift again And a gulp keeps my pumping heart away While I listen to the sound of the blood in my brain
Sophie Allison. And that is the B-side to her forthcoming single. It's going to be out on uh, August, what am I talking about, October the 5th. Um, it's uh, entitled Henry, the new single, but that is the B-side, a cover version, a nice one at that, of uh, Springsteen's I'm on Fire. So that's coming out on 7-inch on the 5th of October. Soccer Mummy again. Um, so that's our cover me this week, uh, our weekly cover version. And, be- and before that, we heard Pete Astor, who was most famous for being in The Loft, of course, uh, as well as The Weather Prophets and uh, The Wisdom of Harry and even Ellis Island Sound. And that is out on the 7th. That's one of two tracks of uh, the Peter Cook uh, Petrol Ash double A side. And that was Petrol and Ash, albeit only about a minute and a half. Another meticulously penned tune by Mr. Asta. Next up, what we're going to hear, I think we're going to hear something new from the Beths.
their fourth LP, Doughboy Hollow from 1991. That is uh, the remarkable Died Pretty from Australia and uh, a song called DC. Uh, DC is actually a loving tribute to a departed friend but uh, I wanted to have a little bit of a tribute to uh, Washington DC where Dot Dash come from and where our, our friend Terry Banks currently resides, who we'll be talking to at the end of the programme uh, about all things Dot Dash, in as much as we'll, we'll also be talking to, uh, to Sean Charman from Jetstream Pony. And again, this show is brought to you by Sean, Jetstream Pony and the Jaffa Cake, as well as Terry Banks, Dot Dash, and the wonderful Custard Cream. Up next, it's time for uh, our essential wax. This week, we are uh, featuring the winter of mixed drinks from 2010 by the remarkable Frightened Rabbit, the third of five studio LPs on Fat Cat Records, specifically this release. It spawned four singles, one of which is this. 
Frightened Rabbit. How good. Oh, Frightened Rabbit. Honest to goodness. I, I tell you, uh, Scott Hutchinson's writing talents just stunned me. And a lot of us are uh, still reeling from his untimely death uh, this last May. What an immense talent he was. He wrote this record uh, in, uh, in about seven weeks. It was primarily recorded uh, at uh, Castle Sound Studios in, uh, in Pent Caitland in Scotland, but also uh, a lot of the extra recording took place in Connecticut at Tarquin Studios um, with, uh, with Peter Cattis at the controls, uh, the production controls. And Cattis himself has produced uh, an, a really bizarre, wonderful, huge list of, uh, of, of artists ranging from the national to stars to uh, Augustine's Tapes and Tapes, the Jezebels, um, even even put his hand to the greats and uh, some humanzi as well. If you uh, look up his uh, Wikipedia page, you will be absolutely blown away by the amount of uh, uh, the amount of material he's either engineered or produced. A very very talented chap indeed. One more song, uh, another single. Uh, the single that we just heard, "Swim Until You Can't See Land," came out to to, to uh, promote the record. It came out before the LP was released itself, and uh, three singles followed. Nothing like you. The Loneliness and the Scream, and the next song that we're going to hear, Living in Colour. Um, songwriter Scott says, stated at the time, that uh, The Winter of Mixed Drinks, it's more of a storytelling record than the band's previous two records. And he adds that uh, about an escape and maybe even a slight breakdown, which of course we know to be immensely sad because uh, that was uh, part and parcel of... Uh, his route to his demise, a terrible, terrible state of affairs. I have to say, it's semi-fictional. There's a protagonist who is possibly male, but it doesn't really describe my life, because if it did, then it wouldn't make for an interesting album this time around, and I've been quite solid and content, thankfully. If only he was uh, still solid and content right now. What a sorely missed man. What a lovely chap, what an immense talent. Here is the second song that we're going to feature of this week's Essential Wax Frat and Rabbits, The Winter of Mixed Drinks from 2010, one of four singles, the second I'm playing for you, Living in Colour. No. 
New Fast Automatic Daffodils with It's Not What You Know, a single pulled off their second LP, Body Exit Mine, that came out in 92 on plate again, Sam Records from Manchester. What a band they were again. That's uh, New Fast Automatic Daffodils, or in, in popular parlance, New Fads. And before we heard New Fads, we heard uh, two songs which are, are just beyond uh, compare by the quite inimitable, unique, singular um, Frightened Rabbit. And we do, we do mourn the loss of Scott tremendously. And I wanted to impress upon anyone who's been living under a rock who hasn't got their ears around anything by Frightened Rabbit. You need to uh, start off with the winter of mixed drinks, the record that I just previewed for you. Swim until you can't see land and living in colour are the two songs that we heard. And that, of course, was preceded by the Beths from New Zealand. Now, let's, let's hear something uh, from an, another Perth, Australia outfit. This time, the psychedelic porn crumpets. Well, who else, you were thinking?
Giants. Now, that's a single from 1980 entitled Final Day. And it appears on, uh, well, not recent, actually, it's not remotely recent. It seems recent to me, but it's not. It's from 2007 on Domino Records, a re release of uh, Colossal Youth, a two CD compilation that includes the album, but also includes all the singles and just about everything you could possibly want by Young Marble Giants. Again, Final Day from 1980, preceded by. Another outfit from Perth, Australia. Psychedelic Porn Crumpets. Go to psychedelicporncrumpets.com. We just heard Social Candy. Them's good, ain't they? Very psychedelic. And I've uh, listened to a lot of their material this last week or so, and uh, it doesn't disappoint. Next up, let's hear something off their third and final LP, Killer Sounds. Here's some hard five for you. <laughs> Upstairs is on the mission. He just talk, he never listen. He just talk, he never listen. And he complain, complain about my love of music. Says it's too loud and he hates it. He don't laugh because I don't fit. I said I don't care, don't care what you think about me. Me and my friends at least we're happy. Tell me how you Up all night. 
life's hard, but don't take it out on me for your criticize. Take a long, hard look at yourself. You're just a screw up like everyone else. I feel bad for you. Get away! Yeah, 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 check, check, 
Old Thomas Edison mixing up the medicine, messing up time from Accrington to Amazon. See them all come with the wires and boots and their richy little thumbs saying, play a funky drum. Wizard of Menlo Park. That's Chumbawamba. Talking about good old Thomas Edison off their 13th LP entitled Un from 2004 on their own Mutt Records. Again, Wizard of Menlo Park by Chumbawamba. They're just one of those bands that uh, I'm very, very upset that they aren't together anymore, but they've left behind a massive body of work. And for those of you that only think that they got uh, they got knocked down and got back up again, there's a heck of a lot more to it than that. And if you listen to the programme, you will know that. Trawl back. Actually, it's a good little segue into uh, reminding you that this, of course, is a podcast, so there's nothing that in, no incumbency or anything being live. So go back in time and listen to them at your behest. Loads of good music, which I'm not responsible for, I'm just the curator, but uh, an immense array of talented people I've been talking to over the past while. And uh, approaching our 100th episode, by the way, I'll try and figure out if I'm going to do something special or not. But uh, go back in time. All of the episodes are uh, uploaded. So where, where you're listening to this, you'll be able to access the, the previous 94. And do listen to some of the wonderful interviews. And as, as a reminder, we've got two brilliant interviews coming up this episode. We've got Jetstream Pony and uh, Dot Dash talking to uh, Sean from Jetstream Pony and Terry from Dot Dash. And next week, uh, almost certain that I'll be talking to the magnificent 14 iced bears it's time now for another one of our weekly features this week's hat trick it has a bit of a theme to it it's a 90s english shoegaze theme
Magnificent Lazarus by the Boo Radleys, their third single from 1990, also re-released in 94, and it appears on their third LP, Giant Steps, released in 93. Again, the Boo Radleys, the third of our three in the hat-trick that pertains to 90s English shoegaze. Before that, an LP track off their first LP, Whirlpool, from 91 on Dedicated Records. That's Chapter House with Treasure. And before that, their final single from 93 on Hut Records that appears on their second LP, Coldwater Flat. That is Revolver with the screaming mix of I Wear Your Chain. So that's it. That's this week's uh, hat trick and 90s English shoegazy hat trick. Hopefully that uh, gave you a bit of a reprieve from my voice and gave you about 20 minutes on the fly to listen to, to uninterrupted, beautiful music. Before that, um, it was Chumbawamba with Wizard of Manlo Park, but I did fail to, to, to mention to you, and, and this is normal, my amnesia does strike at least once per programme. Good for Nothing by Hardfi, off their third and final LP. The, uh, the LP entitled Killer Sounds from 2011, that's the first single off that album, and they are no more good for nothing, Hardfi. So that was played betwixt Young Marble Giants and Chumbawamba. Next, as I try and draw breath, we're fast approaching the uh, the regular content of the show because the interviews are forthcoming. Got a couple of tracks to play uh, before and around the interviews, but uh, you can look forward to uh, a chat with uh, Terry Banks coming up very, very soon from uh, Dot Dash and also uh, Sean Charman from Jetstream Pony. That'll be at the very, very end of the programme. Now let's uh, play a song by uh, Manchester's The Waltones, their second single from 1987 on uh, Medium Cool Records. It uh, also features quite handily on one of several countless compilations that Cherry Red Records put together so consummately. Uh, in this case, uh, 2013 Scare to Get Happy is a compilation that compiles indie pop beauties between 1980 and 1989. Um, it's also interesting to note that Mark Collins, uh, the, the, uh, the guitarist from the Charlatans, he started with this band. This is where he cut his teeth. She looks right through me.
Dash, and that is a really, really tidy way to kick off your sixth LP. That's the lead track to Proto Retro, brand new, brand spanking new by Dot Dash. As I mentioned, it's their sixth LP. You can find out more about them at dot dash And to get the physical product, you can go to the beautifulmusic.com. And before I get more 
into this wonderment that is Dot Dash, I'll let you know that before that we heard She Looks Right Through Me by The Waltones. It's now time for uh, our uh, feature around Dot Dash. They're from Washington, D.C. You're going to be hearing an interview uh, with myself and Terry Banks coming up after the next song, which is Grey, Blue, Green. Terry has chosen all three songs. He's curated all three, all from the brand new and sixth LP Proto Retro. These lots are uh, very, very prolific. They have uh, chucked out six LPs since 2011, and they do reside on a record label as run by Wally here in town, here in Ottawa, Canada, uh, called The Beautiful Music. Wally's been on the show, and I'm delighted that Terry will be on the show in a matter of moments. Get your ears around this. Grey, blue, green. The second belter by Dot Dash, uh, a second track off their Proto Retro 6th LP. And that actually is track two, so uh, not a bad way to kick off the LP. You've heard the first two songs, and it just gets better. It's very indicative, those two songs, of uh, the 12 songs in total on the album. You're going to learn a lot more now, because I'm going to be chatting with Terry. Over to me and Terry, and I'll be back to play one more song as chosen by him off this wonderful record to wrap things up with regards to the Dot Dash feature. Enjoy yourselves. Terry. Hey there, how are you? It's Dara, just in case you were thinking it was some kind of uh, salesman on the phone. No, no, uh, uh, I, 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 take, I take your word for it. Okay, you sound, yeah. 
I could, sound English calling from Canada, so who else could it be? Yeah, I sound, I sound legit. Yeah, I'm not saying anything, I can assure <laughs> you. Um, so how, how are things? Uh, um, what's, life, what's life like for you right now? Uh, uh, just, just fine. Um, uh, it's a nice Saturday late morning, and uh, weather's, weather's good, not too hot. And uh, yeah, no, no complaints. You've got. Uh, are you a family? Are you a family guy, Terry? Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm married, and I've got. Uh, I've got two kids. Um, one who's who's off at college in New York, and um, one who's still here, and uh, <laughs> a woman who's still married to me, and a, and a, and a couple of cats. And uh, yeah. wow, that sounds remarkably similar to my setup. So, uh, <laughs> we, so let's, let's let's see what else we've got in common. Let, let's let's start. Let, let's start with the obvious. Let's start. Let's start with uh, the new record. And uh, congratulations! It's uh, it's a great LP. You must be very happy Thank with you. it, and it's uh, yeah. it's remarkably it's your sixth, which which must stun you in some ways that you've, you've managed to uh, over the course of well a reasonably short amount of time churn out six LPs. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, we're we're all really happy with it and, and excited about it. And um, yeah, I mean, normally in in band situations, you think to yourself, God, you know. It would be so great if we could get an album out, you know, wouldn't that be great? And that would be kind of the, you know, the crowning glory of, of the band's, you know, achievement or existence. And and with this group, we just kind of kept kept it going. Um, and really the, the large, I mean, the, the, the biggest part of that is the support of um, the beautiful music in, in Ottawa, and specifically Wally Salem, who runs the label, um, has been a real... You know, um, just a real great supporter, and uh, and that that support and that interest has kind of, you know, in some ways, sort of fueled us along. Um, so I think that's a big part of it too. Well, that's yeah. I mean, you've, you've obviously you've made a huge, uh, you know, a huge tip of the hat to, to, to Wally and the beautiful music, and and he does tireless work. I mean, I know he's probably your biggest champion, bar well, bar none, really, and and mm -hmm. uh, he's a He's just one of those few selfless individuals who just genuinely, and it's, and it's, a, it's an, you know, an ethos that I like to try and purvey, but it's all about sharing, really. I mean, the, the, my, yeah. the show I do is about sharing music in the hopes that other people like it, and, and Wally is, in a very similar vein, the conduit to, to, to sharing wonderful talent that, that does, to be fair, emanate from all over God's green earth, but yeah. somehow finds its way to an, uh, an Ottawa label, which... Which I, which I find wonderful, and it's all it's all that wonderful DIY ethic uh, all, all coming to the fore again, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I completely agree, and um, I know we consider ourselves really lucky to have crossed paths with him and, and with the label in specific, so yeah, I could, couldn't agree more. Good stuff. So, so I, I, I also want to touch upon, I think we had a little, a brief exchange last week, because I was, I was lucky enough to... Uh, to interview Bid last week uh, from from, oh, right. from 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 the Monochrome set, and yeah. amongst the litany of, of bands that you have uh, played shows with, it literally yeah. is my it's like my record collection essentially. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's quite wonderful, but but the ones that do, of course, stick out the most are to me that the Monochrome set you played with Brian Jonestown, Rolling Blackouts, yeah. you played with Richard Lloyd, B fifty twos, The Psych Furs, you played yeah. with. Uh, you played with Mark and the and the, and the Chameleons. 
Yeah. You played with Hugh Cornwell, clientele, stiff little fingers. I mean, yes, yeah. this, this is, oh, and of course, Adam Franklin, who is, of course, a demigod. So you really, you really must have had a, a wonderful experience over the course of time um, supporting this, this caliber of, of music, which I think you're in the same vein, but a lot of these are obviously well, well known in comparison to yourself. And I maintain, as does Wally, that Dot Dash should be in the same breath as a, a lot of bands that uh, are, are gaining accolades that, that uh, perhaps uh, you should be too. But um, Yeah, well, I mean, you know, uh, it's nice of you to say that, but, I mean, it, you, the, you know, the truth is, is as you point out, we're, we're at a, a way more obscure level than, than any of those groups. So, I mean, you know, all of those bands that you rattled off uh, to us um, are to, to us kind of, you know, if, if not... Um, if not heroes, at, at the very least, we're big fans of. I mean, you know, the Monic playing that we played a couple of shows with the Monochrome set in um, one in, in New York in Manhattan and one just across the river in, in Hoboken at um, Maxwell's, which was kind of a yeah. a famed club, which I think is closed and then somehow I heard it reopened or whatever. But it's kind of an iconic place, like almost like Eric's in Liverpool or yes, something, you know, like exactly. that sort of place. And so to have played a couple of gigs with them and it just sort of met them and hung around with them was just really, really, really great. Um, and they're, they're coming back um, to the U.S. Uh, early next year, and there might be some East Coast states. But, yeah, the monochromes that are, are, are heroes, and, and the cool thing about them is they're, they're still cranking, and then I think they've had five records in the last <laughs> six years or something. So I'm, yeah, a, I'm a big right. fan, and, in fact, I was just listening to Eligible Bachelors just, just yesterday. So oh, I'm, I'm there you fan. go. So, so it's all, all those other bands you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really fun. It's been really fun to to play with all of those groups. It's really it's really been you know just just fun. I can't put anything in the way. No, it's a beautiful cross section. And again, another ones that jump out to me are the Trash Cans, who who don't yeah. just do not write bad that was our songs. First gig. They, they gave us our first gig. I actually know a couple of guys in that band, and they gave us our first show. Um, oh. We had just formed. We didn't have any records or anything, and uh, and we supported them in, in Washington and. And so that was that was the beginning of our of our rock path. Well, they are the, they are to me the zenith of 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 pop uh, of pop tune smithing, and, and they they in my humble opinion. I mean, after Go Discs, they had a, a modicum of success, but they should they should uh, be be pop deity in my opinion. And and you've also done you've also uh, worked with Chris well supported Chris Staney, which I think is awesome as well. Yeah. One of my favourite US bands and. Uh, so, well, that's enough about them. I just wanted to put it into context yeah. for people, but let's let's talk more about you because that's what it's all yeah. about. Um, yeah. So, so, so currently, is is it yourself, Hunter and Danny that are chiseling it out? That's right. I, I play guitar and sing, um, and and Hunter Bennett plays bass, and Danny Ingram plays drums. So we're a trio. At other points in the band, um, I was going to ask uh, you about. A, I was going to ask you about. Yeah, a couple gonna... of other members who who, who were um, hmm. sort of you know the. The other guitarist, um, but about a year, early, a year, a year and a half ago, we we slimmed down to a uh, a trio, and that's what what these that's what the new record is. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, but what that's, actually? That's, 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 it's the three of us. What actually happened with Steve? Was it was it just one of those organic mm -hmm. things that just happened? And, and yeah. So I mean, the band started, um, and we were four piece, um, and we had a, a another guitar player, a guy named Bill Crandall, who yeah. was. In a and this is, you know, very obscure. But he was in a kind of, if there is such a thing as an American mod revival band um, called Modest Proposal, who were a, a DC kind of mod power pop kind of band back in the day. And 
um, he was around, and so he was in the band for actually for our first three albums, and then he dropped out, um, you know, perfectly amicably. He's a, he's a very serious photographer, and he kind of wanted to get into that and blah, 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 and then he sort of ended up doing his own music. Um, he does stuff now under the name, I think, Mr. Chord, and it's very kind of atmospheric, sort of um, almost like filmic kind of music. <laughs> and then we played for a short time with a friend of ours named Jim, who that was just kind of a, a stopgap thing. Then we played a few gigs as a trio, and then Steve Hanskin came along, and he was, he had been in a, um, for a time, had been in the, the hardcore band Minor Threat, and I'm not, it's, I'm not into that kind of music, but they're yeah. sort of a big deal in that world, a very big deal in that world. Um, and he joined, and he played on our fourth and fifth albums, um, Earthquakes and Tidal Waves, which is a record we made with Mitch Easter from Let's Active, and who did you know the early REM records and things like that. Yeah, well, you're, you're beating me to a lot of my questions, but we'll, we'll, we'll revisit Mitch later because that's oh, important. Sorry. Okay, well, I don't want to. No, no, this is yeah, great. It's all it's all unfolding. It's it's a wonderful story. Please keep going. Yeah. So so just to to answer your question without the <laughs> massive preamble, um, Steve played on the fourth and fifth records, and. Um, and he brought a kind of heavier sound, um, which at first was kind of, I kind of liked it because it was sort of improbable and kind of, you know, it was so over the top, it was almost funny. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just kind of like, it was just, he was just shredding. And I sort of liked it because it was just kind of crazy. Um, but, you know, after a time, it sort of felt like maybe that wasn't quite the thing. But 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 Steve left of his own volition on perfectly happy, you know, oh. terms. But he just sort of said, oh, I think I'm ready to take a break. So we just carried on as a three-piece. So um, he's, 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 he's alive and well, but he just kind of felt like he'd, um, he'd run his course on it. And, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't debate the issue. So, so, so you're a three-piece now. And, of course, I mean, if you're not a musician... Um, <laughs> and I can profess yeah. to qualify as not being. I'm a really good non-musician, um, right. but a three-piece. It's an immense, uh, immense gulf. There's an immense gulf and difference between a three-piece and a four-piece to to, to, mm. to to fill that sound, as it were, even if that is necessary. Now, are, are you finding it uh, considerably different, or is it just an effortless transition to go from a four to a three? Yeah, no, it's a good. It's a good point. I know. I know just what you mean. Um, with a four-piece, you know, I'm. I'm singing and effectively playing kind of rhythm guitar, and, and that doesn't really change in in um, the three piece. I mean, I'm still playing basically rhythm guitar. I suppose I'm a little more kind of fluttery and arpeggio-y, but I'm not I'm not live. I don't really do like flashy leads and things like that. It's just not really in my my wheelhouse. But I feel like we we're we're better as a three piece, just because everyone kind of has to has to mark out their, well, I was going to say corner, and I guess it would be the, their their bit of the triangle, but, you know, with a three-piece, the bass kind of comes out more, even weirdly, the drums kind of come out more, and and uh, it's kind of all on me to sort of handle the guitar stuff, which, when you've got another guitar playing player going, especially when we had Steve, where he's really kind of, you know, pretty, 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 pretty full on. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you kind of tend to sort of hang back and almost start playing guitar like Elvis or something. You know, the guitar kind of becomes a, a prop, and you're just sort of chicking along on it. Um, whereas with a three piece, you actually have to play, and 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 I like that better, and I think it sounds better. So 
it hasn't been a hard transition. I think it's actually been, I don't want to say an improvement because that makes it sound like we didn't like what we were doing before, and we did. We, we were totally into it. Um, but I, I, I personally sort of like this better. Um, uh, but it's funny, like, you know, back when Bill was in the band, there were a few times where he was like, oh, I might not be able to come to the gig, and I just felt like, oh, no, you know, we're going to, it's totally going to fall apart, and I, I'm not sure what I was talking about because it's been really good as a three-piece. We, we, it's, it's, it's been fun, and it feels, feels pretty good. Well, it's good because, I mean, it sounds to me by the way you've answered the question that you haven't devoted a lot of time and thought to it. It just is what it is and it's a transition and it's worked. So don't, don't, yeah. don't hyper-examine it, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we're just playing, playing as if, you know, playing like we played any, any time before. When we record, like this sort of, you know, this sort of fiddly bits on the guitar, I overdubbed on the new record. Yeah. Um, and... Um, but yeah, you just kind of you just kind of carry on and do what you do. But I do think the kind of residual effect is that um, before, like you know, Hunter's like a really kind of poppy bass player, does a lot of neat little melodic things. And before, some of that was kind of covered up. Um, it was there, but you couldn't necessarily, you know, appreciate it at least in a live context. But but now you can, and I think that's I think it's true of kind of all of it. So yeah, not, you know, it's been a decent transition. Well, I look at I look at your discography, and, and and it seems to be almost synchronized, whereby we can hang our hats on a new release from you almost every almost every year. And yeah. um, I, I would imagine with with a full family life and and uh, other aspects to take up your time, it, it must be uh, it's obviously a labour of love to 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 to, to make records. But uh, how, how do you? How do you handle the time-life balance? Because yeah, well, I mean, I also have a, a, a full-time job as well, yeah. um, uh, which uh, it's, I certainly don't make it for music. But um, uh, yeah, you know, people say that. Like, I've had friends say, like, "Oh, how do you find time?" And it's it's not really that much time. I mean, we when we have gigs, we practice. You know, we sort of like to get together once a week. Um, we've never got together more than that. And there are plenty of times when, where we don't get together, you know, on a weekly basis. Um, we definitely do if we have a, a show or two coming up, we sort of get in that thing. But even then, we only get together for like an hour and a half. Um, um, we call it an hour, but it's really more like an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's just not that much time, and, I, and it's probably not a good answer, but, um, you know... it. There's no good or it's, bad it's answer. Not like a, it's not really like a kind of laborious thing where we're sort of like, oh no, you know, do this again, do it over and over. We just kind of are kind of instinctive and just sort of go for it. And we re we record, you know, when we do record, we record really quickly, really, really sort of expeditiously, maybe a little too quickly, but um, that seems to work for us. So we don't, you know, when we practice, we don't sort of... Um, obsess over it, we just kind of get it together. Um, but I do think, you know, like, Hunter and Danny are really, really sort of good players, and, and I kind of know what I want to do, because I wrote the songs, so that <laughs> comes together. And then yeah. the recording side, it's not like we're holed up for, you know, some bands are sort of like, oh, we're not happy with, you know, the way the ride cymbal sounds on this song or whatever, and we're kind of more, we sort of know what we're after, so it's easier to get. I think a lot of times people don't know what they want to do. They're sort of unsure of their own aims, you know, and so they can't get what they're after because they don't know what they're after. And so I feel like we kind of 
do know, for better or worse, and it, so it comes together without too much time investment. I mean, there is some time investment, but it's not. It's really not massive, to be honest. Great. Well, that's good to know. It's it's something that, of course, uh, I I marvel at anyone who, who can who can create music. Uh, first of all, mm. pr primarily because I have absolutely no musical talent, and that's why I <laughs> chose to become uh, a DJ and, 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 and an avid record collector at an early age. That was that was my right. part my part to play. But, uh, but 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 when I when I when I look at as I say your your, your repertoire over the course of uh, well, it's been seven years literally just yeah. over seven years and, and 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 six thoroughbred LPs really uh, it, it's it, it's a it's it's a quite a career trajectory and that working in parallel with that trajectory are the producers you've worked with and, and of course you know you worked with Brandon Funkhauser sort of in the early days and, and you, you've yeah. you've already alluded to to Mitch. Uh, if you wouldn't mind talking more about Mitch, because there was a time, of course, where he was probably the, the most coveted uh, production commodity on God's green earth, uh, and yes. it must have been a real joy to, to, to work with him. And I mean, just just for the one record. But was it was he someone you knew beforehand, or was it something? No, no, he wasn't. Um, and and I know just what you mean. Um, uh, I, I love Mitch Easter. I'm, I'm a big fan, and and um, it was actually Bill Crandall's idea. You know, what if we were recording with Mitch Easter? That sort of seemed like a bridge too far. And so I, they, I think we talked about that like on the second record. We didn't do that or, or for the third one. But I, it, was, it was actually after Bill had left. But I wrote an email. I looked up his studio and I wrote to him and I wrote him a note. And he wrote back and was nice. And we chatted on the phone. And, you know, it was, it was easier than you would think. But, yeah, it was making a record with Mitch was really really cool um and and i had been a big fan like going back to you know when i was like 18 or something i liked attractive and and, and he's a really funny um <clears throat> just witty interesting guy um and it was as let's say the monochrome said it was just sort of fun although we spent more time with mitch because we were down there for sort of a long weekend and then i went back another time to um finish the vocals but it was cool just you know recording with him but also just sort of you know, from a fan's perspective, just, <laughs> yes. I don't know, like going out and getting dinner or, you know, wandering off to the coffee shop or whatever. He's, he's just really cool. And, and he's, and he's really like a sort of, um, kind of works quickly. I don't mean like rushes, but, but he's very kind of instinctive and, and isn't kind of like a finicky guy. He sort of has a thing he does and he's, he doesn't impose a sound on you. I mean, it, one of the bands that he was recording that he was finishing up when we were there, um, they were gone, but he played me some of it with like this insane, like death metal, like, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and yeah. he was totally invested in it. He was like, yeah, you know, and so he, 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 I think he has a pretty broad, broad based approach, but for our kind of stuff, he knew, oh, okay, this is one of the, these bands who sort of like my thing. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just fun. It was fun to work with him. And then we recorded the next album there too. And he was around, but he was totally, totally booked, and he had been out of the country, he'd been traveling. So we worked with a woman um, who was sort of, uh, uh, her name is Missy Thangs, and um, what a night. Nice. Auditorium, and is a friend of Mitch's, and kind of engineers with him a lot. That's and right. She engineered our the first record that we did with Mitch. She was kind of assisting in the studio, and so we were we ended up working with her for the fifth record, which is. She went for this really raw, wild sound, which I really liked. I, I, I think it's kind of a crazy sort of one-off record. I, I really, I love it. It's kind of, um, it's not poppy and harmonious like this new one, but I sort of like that it's sort of, 
you could almost hear it and go, is this the same band? Yes, um, yes, that's... You know, so I, I, I really like that it's kind of a, a wild card. So we were down there at Fidel Auditorium, which is near Winston-Salem, um, which is where the DBs come from. And, you know, I was, I was asking Mitch all kinds of, you know, let's active DBs, even big star questions, you know, because he's kind of... Course. In that world as well. So. Yeah, I'd have been, I'd have been, I would have been a perpetual pain in the ass asking him questions all the time. Oh, yeah. well, well, no, he, I think he, li I think he likes people who are, who are into <laughs> that stuff. So it was sort of fun, yeah. And and let's talk about uh, Jeff on the on the new LP. I mean, yeah. I, I know little to nothing about Jeff, so I'm wondering if you could give us sort of a Jeff 101. We're talking about yeah, Jeff so, Sanoff here. Yeah, so Je Jeff Sanoff um, is a guy who. We knew from um, Hunter, the bass player, and I, previous to, to Dot Dash, were in a band called Julie Ocean, um, who only made one album. Um, but we actually got a sort of record deal with this short-lived but kind of well-funded indie label called Transit of Venus, which you will, never will have heard of. But the guys who ran it were really enthusiastic about the label, and they paid for us to go into this really nice... Um, kind of residential studio and, and we did it quickly but it was it was pretty pretty she she um but we got jeff sanoff you know through one of the other guitar player in the band jim um knew him and, and he he lives in new york and he works for and i don't know if um this makes it up to canada it probably does um um serious i don't have that yeah yeah anymore, we right? got so we got serious garage you know the guy from Bruce Springsteen's band, Little Steven. Yep. Um, uh, so Jeff Sanoff works for Little Steven at, at, and does production work for him. Oh, and, he, okay. and Sanoff has done, like, um, I'm not a big fan, but, like, Fountains of Wayne. Um, and uh, he worked on a television album that didn't come out, but is apparently in the can. And he did a Lloyd Cole record. And um, he did like a Lucinda Williams record really recently, but he's he's super pro. I mean, he's not necessarily a big name, but he's just really, really, um, just really focused and is just yeah. I, I don't know what else to say. He's just a real a real master of, of polish. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, and he's just really you know, and he's one of these guys who's sort of like you know, you're recording, and we, we record everything live. The vocals aren't live. Um, I mean, I'm singing, but it's just a scratch vocal. That, you know, they're just doing yeah. we're just playing it live, but then I go back and actually sing the vocals. But everything else is done live, not the lead guitars, but the guitar, bass, and drums. And, you know, Jeff is the kind of guy who will come out and sort of stop you in the middle of the take and say, like, there's something rattling on the hi-hat, you know, and you're just like, how could he hear that? I mean, that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's insane. He's like, you know... There's a hum coming off the bass. Don't don't stand there. Stand here. You know it'll cancel the signal. Like he has this, you know, so much bionic. Yeah, it's bionic. Like I think there's something. You know, it'll just be something like there's something rattling on. You know, whatever the the kicks. You know, the the, the you know the, the snare drums stand, and it'll <laughs> it'll bend down and tighten it. And they'll go. No, now it's fine. But turn down um, the air conditioning. Turn down the air conditioning in the basement type thing. And yeah, he's very exactly. He, but he's very very good and is really particular, which I think um, it, I kind of learned a lesson. Like um, the reason he's the reason he makes records sound so good is that he really focuses on the constituent parts and and not just the vibe. You know. Yes. So it's a, it's a good reminder that 
you know, the vibe is important, but there is a science to it, and I, I think he really brings that to it. So we were we were thrilled with um, how, how the record turned out, and um, well, it's a, thankful. It is a beautiful, it's a beautifully sounding record, and it's with no disrespect to the previous LPs, but it does. It does stand alone in terms of its production value, and, and even I sound like I'm being sacrilegious because we're also talking about Machista here. But uh, I'm thinking, just, just from a fan's point of view, in terms of Jeff's touch to your work, the polish that's the end result of the aggregated contribution from all of you, is yeah. is, 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 is is a beautiful sound, and and I, I'm really quite blown away by it because there are a few records I've heard of late that have that real vibrancy about them. I mean, they all have the their charm in, in their own rights, of course, but this has yeah. got some kind of unquantifiable polish aspect to it. And um, I'm grateful to Wally because he gave me the CD and the first the first listen I had of it was in the car. And I, yeah. and I found myself looking up and seeing people, watching people watch me singing already to it in, in, in the car. So to me, that's the acid test. But, but when you heard it back for the first time after it was mastered, what were your, what were your sentiments? Um, I, I, I felt the same way. I was sort of, um, I was pretty, you know, you know, the funny thing is people in bands always think that whatever they're doing, you know, little bands like us, and I'm sure big bands are even worse, but people in bands always think like, this is great, you know, but, but I was, I was pretty, pretty knocked out by it. Um, just because it just has this real clarity and, and, and sort of, Brightness, and I, I don't, I don't quite know how else to, to, to put it. I, I was just really, really happy, and I'm, I'm, I, and now I kind of can't imagine making a record. I, you know, if we were going to make another one, we always kind of used to switch and go from different people to different people. Not every single time, but you know, that was sort of the, the theory. But I, um, it, I would be hard pressed to go to anyone other, other than, than Jeff, um, just because. You know, um, whatever it is he has, um, it, 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 it's he, he really has an ear, and um, and yeah, I, I I'm, I'm probably not being that articulate, but you are. It works. Um, I mean, all... I, I, I just I'm, I'm just thrilled with it, and and um, yeah, uh, you know, where we could all be hit by a bus tomorrow, we could at least say, well, at least we made Frodo retro. So, <laughs> you know. Well, that's kind of crass, but that that always is to extrapolate to those degrees. Sometimes is is what you need to do. Uh, now, now I, I was going to ask you if, if you were going to strive or, 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 or work with Jeff again. So obviously, sounds like you are. So that's wonderful that you've got this sort of symbiosis with, with, with someone who who you can entrust your work to implicitly and be happy with it at, at the end of the day. Now, 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 what's happening? You're a family guy, that's established. But what's happening in in DC right now? Is 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 it a, is it a vibrant place um, musically? I would imagine you extrapolate the politics from everything. How, how is it musically? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, there, I mean, Washington. It's a weird thing in that I don't know anyone who works for the government. I'm not even sure if I have ever known anyone who works. I'm sure I've worked with people who used to work at had a government job or whatever. But you know, as, as you know, Ottawa is the capital, and I bet you of Canada, and I bet you it's the same there too. I mean, they're both. You know, DC is a big city. Um, and there's a whole world here that exists kind of separate from from political stuff. But at the same time, I suppose you could say, well, that's a bit of an illusion and you're never that far away from it. But I think the two are intertwined. Um, you know, like even just the, the album cover for Proto Retro, um, in the past, we've kind of had sort of 
dreamy, sort of abstract images. Yeah. And I, I just, this time, not to be too, I don't know, polemic or whatever, but <laughs> I just thought we just can't have some dreamy image. Like, you know, I mean, with Trump in office, it, if you just feel like, how, how bad can it get? And, oh, it'll get worse tomorrow. So <laughs> photo I took is a, a, a picture um, that I just saw downtown where I work, and it was a, a, a wrecked building, and behind it was the Washington Monument, and it just looked kind of suitably you know, apocalyptic, and I, it does. I snapped it off, and so um, I just thought, we can't, not that it, you know, not that that's such a big statement, or anyone's going to see our obscure band, but I just thought, I don't want something, I, w I want something that's kind of in the moment, and, and has some some truth to it, or just, you know, just sort of captures that. Well, it's a little bit, it's a, a little bit austere, but it's also like an Einstein-Zendi Newbarton uh, LP cover yeah, from 20... Or, or, I don't know, I felt like it was maybe, it looked like a sort of a bad, like, Dutch Joy Division bootleg or something. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> sure, that's... A, that's... I, I mean that in the, in the best possible sense. I know what you mean, um, I know what you mean. And it's also, so, it's also the first... I like, but I do, I do like, I'm not really answering your question, but I, I do like weird, um, kind of strange, almost absurd contrast. Like, here's this, <clears throat> excuse me, this kind of jangly pop record, and it has this cover that looks like a bad Dutch Joy Division bootleg. Um, so I, I sort of, you know, you look at the cover and then you hear the music and you think, what? You know, how, how did this... Okay. How does that relate? Yeah, because it's... So that's, that's a bit of a strange But you asked about DC. So DC has... It's, it's good. There's tons of music here. There's tons of little little and big clubs, big, you know, um, you know, uh, people tour through here. It gets, it gets just about anything that... Not... It doesn't get everything that New York gets, but it's like, I don't know, it's probably on the same sphere as Boston in terms of cultural stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of indie bands here of varying stripes. There's lots of clubs. Um, you know, uh, as, as to whether it's better or worse than times in the past, I mean, I think people always kind of lionize the past. I do. But yeah. I think the present's pretty good, too. So, yeah, I feel like it's pretty good. Good. It's just, I'm not familiar. I've only been there once for work. I mean, I've been around that part of the world a lot, of course. But I mean, to 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 be in the heart of DC, you've you've got to be there really for work. It's not a place you sort of you sort of yeah. visit, you visit otherwise. But, but back back to the, uh, the 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 photo that you took, the Einstein's yeah. Andy Newbarton photo. Uh, <laughs> it, it's the only one that that really is even more cryptic because there's no text on it either. So it adds a little bit more crypticism and mystery to to the record. Yeah, it looked kind of cheesy, like, to have that picture and then to have, like, dot dash, proto retro, it just looked sort of cheesy. <laughs> so I just said, I just said, no, no type, nothing, we're just, boom, we're just, you know, let's just have it plain. Um, it just looked better, so... Um, well, it does, yeah. it, it does, I mean, it works, and I, and I digress somewhat, but I always harp back, as you said, to lionize the good old days, I always harp yeah. back to, you know waltzing into the record shop and, and just thumbing through stuff you don't know what it is but you're impelled to buy it by virtue of its aesthetic and this this if it was 25 years ago it would have impelled me if i didn't know who the heck you were it would have impelled me to at least ask the shop to play it so, yeah you would have thought like yeah i, I, I like need te i like test department and i like people who play jackhammer drills you know i'll buy this <laughs> oh wait a minute it's a power pop record um, Exactly. Yeah. I've got. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those confusing things. But but again, it's 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 uh, it would impel someone like me to want to learn more, which, yeah. which I think is a big part of the deal as well. And I'm also delighted that you still 
opt to produce physical products for those who are, uh, well, who place value in it. I mean, uh, I mean, I love digital. Yeah, I mean, that's really Wally's. That's really to, to Wally and you know the beautiful music's credit. And I know that there's no, you know, that CDs are kind of um, have never been imbued with any um, romance or whatever in the way that the way that vinyl has, or now strangely even cassettes. Um, but uh, they are kind of the, the people's medium in that they're they're sort of cheap to produce and um, you know um, I, I, I'm I'm happy that they that they exist and that Wally you know that Wally's label still puts out physical physical product. I just think it's I don't know it's just it's it's cool. I do too. I do too. And, and for all of you lot listening there too, you have to remember that uh, that you have to visit .dc.bandcamp.com where everything is on display and, and, and it's a wonderful deal here, $35 for the entire repertoire, which I think is, that's the beauty of digital, isn't it, Terry? You can go, let's, yeah, let's get, right. let's that's get right. everything. And, and, and Wally, the, the, and the beautifulmusic.com is where the album um, can be had, uh, the, the, the physical copy, and, and uh, Wally, you get a free download code if, say, you know, you, because it might be hard to get it on your iPod otherwise, but he also he sends people all kinds of extra things. I mean, he's a he's a real font of generosity. Um, <laughs> so when is. people buy CDs, they they order one, and I think they, you know, like a forklift drives up to their, their, their apartment. <laughs> you know, well, it's obligatory. I mean? It's obligatory. He won't he won't just send you what you've ordered. He'll always chuck in some right. bonus piece right. for you. Which is, which is, you know, I think you can hang your hat on that. But uh, yeah. it, it's a wonderful record, and, and I'm encouraging, of course, everybody to, 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 to buy it. So here's the next part. Why, why don't you, Terry, choose the three songs you'd like me to play off the record to showcase it? Oh, gosh. Um, well, um, let me think for a moment. Um, I'd be happy for you to play any of them, but I, I suppose, um, I guess Unfair Weather uh, is, is, a, is a good one. Yeah. Um, uh, Gray Blue Green is, is, is the second one, kind of a, a, a very sort of, it felt kind of birdsy to us. And um, maybe, maybe World's Last Payphone, um, I think that's track nine. Um, I feel like those are, those are pretty good. Yeah, they're, well, they're all, they're all good, but we have, to, we, we have to somehow, we have to choose. Otherwise, yeah. uh, I wish yeah, I had, I wish I had a show every day. Like, but but the, those three might, might, be, might be good. Well, I, I, I can speak from experience. They're all they're all very good uh, good examples of, of, of if they hear these three, you get an equivocal sense of, of, of the remaining nine uh, tracks on the oh, record. Right, so, yeah. um, one last question for you, and if you do listen to the show, um, you you will know what's coming. If you don't, hopefully you will start to now that you're featured on it. Yeah. Um, I ask every artist at the end of each interview, hypothetically, around my house after having played a successful gig, which is entirely feasible. Um, You've got a, you know, the hot beverage of your choice in your hand, uh, and I and I ask I ask you quite simply. Uh, I've got this magic biscuit tin. What, what what biscuit would you choose, past, present, or future? If you could have your choice of any, what biscuit slash cookie would you choose? Right, right. Um, well, let's see. I have to cast my mind back because I spent a couple of years in England. Um, I played in a band there called St. Christopher, and so, so yeah, biscuits to to us to in America is sort of like. Biscuits and gravy um, down south, isn't it? But but uh, but no, I know exactly what you mean. Um, so I'm, I'm casting my mind back to York. Um, oh, you lived in um, York. Well, you were in York, were you? Yeah, I, oh. I played in a band um, who were from there called St. Christopher, who were Yorkonian guys. Oh. And, sort of my, um, my neck of the woods. I was born up in Leeds, so Yorkshire sort of. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Well, we played in in Leeds at um, what was that place called? The uh, 
In a nutshell, that is Dot Dash. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for uh, for your time. Thanks for the chit chat. And I hope you not learned a thing or two. Here's one more song off uh, the immense new LP by Dot Dash, their sixth Proto Retro, a song as chosen by Terry himself, World's Last Payphone. <laughs> Sound. 
One Dove, fronted by the absolutely stellar Dot Allison with their fifth single off their only yet magnificent LP, Morning Dove White, that came out in 93 on Boys Own Productions. That's the radio mix version of Breakdown. And before that, the third of three by the, the superb Dot Dash from Washington, D.C. That's Terry Banks and the gang, the world's last payphone the third of three songs that we have heard to celebrate the release of their sixth studio LP. Now it's time for something that uh, I know annoys you somewhat, but uh, once we get over the first five seconds, ah, we're okay. Tin to time, kids. It means it's your weekly dose of digital ephemera. This week, I'm going to take you somewhere lovely. I'm going to take you to a, a wonderful site uh, on the Bandcamp page. We're going to go to fadeawayradiate.bandcamp.com. I have alluded to this website before because it is rather, rather good. Now, if you go to fadeawayradiate.bandcamp.com, you have to then click on this new record that's just been compiled by uh, some wonderful folk that I know, and you should know too, one of them being uh, Stella from Nah. Um, this is a record called Reverse Play C86 Rediscovered. And it features, goodness me, the Catherines who we played at the top of the show. Um, go there, but I can give you a little bit of a verbal. Um, there's the Catherines doing some field mice. Uh, there's an array of covers uh, featuring the likes of the Primitives, McCarthy, more field mice, uh, the Pastels, Brighter, BMX Bandits, uh, the House of Love, stuff you'd expect like Primal Scream also, and The Wedding Present. Beautiful 15-track affair. It is a name-your-price deal, so depending on how benevolent you feel, you can uh, give them a, a quid, a dollar, or uh, you, can, uh, you can go mental and give them what you think it's worth in terms of uh, going rates, which seems to be in the, in the $8 to $12 range, uh, range for, uh, for LPs. Right, so that is our Tinterweb time uh, this week. And as a reminder, reverse play, C86 rediscovered, go to fadeawayradiate.bankamp.com. I'm hoping to have Stella on the programme next week to talk more about it because it is a delightful project. Up next, it is time to get into the world of Jetstream Pony.
Jetstream Pony. Ain't that good? That's the title track to the self-destruct reality EP, which you can effortlessly get your hands on at jetstreampony.bandcamp.com. Now, one more song before I get into a chat uh, with Sean, and I'll give you a bit of a background, actually. Um, they claim to call themselves uh, Shamalig, uh, post-punk and indie pop. Now, there's going to be a definitive uh, sort of discussion regarding the word shamalig and you're going to learn a lot more about that uh, when you listen to the interview with Sean. Um, it features Beth Arzi, the, uh, the wonderful vocalist from uh, Trembling Blue Stars, Aberdeen and the Luxembourg Signal, and in as much as uh, she's also uh, contributing to Lightning in a Twilight Hour and uh, the Fireworks. Uh, Sean used to be in the wedding present, that's where I first got to know him and actually did meet him, although he's got no memory of it, but I was just a snot-nosed little uh, teenager at the time. Um, the Pop Guns and the Fireworks he was also in, and also features Kerry Butcher uh, from Turbo Cat, as well as Sarah Boyle. Now, we've heard off the Self-Destruct Reality EP, we've heard the title track. Now, let's hear another track off the LP, shall we? Let's get uh, a listen to Not The One.
Dream Pony. That is the third of six songs on their latest record, the six-track Self-Destruct Reality EP. We'll hear one more song uh, after I have a chat with Sean, which is coming up just around the corner. We're going to hear one more song uh, specifically out of reach, but also wanted to bring to your attention that uh, on the Bandcamp page, which again is jetstreampony.bandcamp.com, Get yourself their first single for uh, Amiga. I think it's only two quid. Yeah, it's only two quid. Um, like you less and had enough. And they've got a wonderful um, pay-what-you-want type deal. A Name Your Price, One Tracker Here, which is a wonderful co-version of Charms Around Your Wrist, as originally done by the Softies. So that's the three releases that they have on the Bandcamp page. Now, let's have a chat with Sean, and I'll be back afterwards to play one more song off this uh, delectable six-track EP. Oh, yeah. Hello, is this Sean? Yeah, hi there. Hi there. Hey, Sean, it's Dara. Yeah, Dara from Near Perfect Pitch. How are you keeping? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. You? Well, I can't complain. Can't complain. It's uh, <laughs> what, what, what's happening in your world at five o'clock in the, in the, in the afternoon? Um, well, I've got a family and stuff, so it's uh, the kids are around, and we're just um, you know it's kind of coming up to tea time. Um, <laughs> I've just come back from taking part in the Perugia tournament. <laughs> really? Were you, were you, uh, were you, well, more than curious, were you a spectator or participating? I'm participating. Of course. I mean, um, I... Just, just with some friends and stuff, just, just you know, bearing the old, uh, the old pitch out, you know, flick to kick and all that. That's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, who, who's your uh, sort of default team that you uh, have on the, on, on the, the well, belt? Well, it was a retro thing, and I appear to be playing with West Ham away. Um, but or it could be Burnley, one or the other. So nice. But, um, but got yeah, normally, normally, I'd play with the Brighton team. Fantastic. Somewhere. Well, you had some uh, some generic claret and blue uh, team that you were playing with then. Yeah, I mean, well, it was white shirt. Um, oh, the away was, kit, right? Pale blue shorts. Yeah. Kind yeah. of away strip, I think. Fantastic. So, yeah, uh, you, you, so you're based in New York, aren't you? But you sound very English. Well, I'm English. <laughs> it's very confusing. I'm, I'm English. I live in Canada, and I'm communicating with you through a Google account that's based in New York. So it's very confusing. Oh right, okay. okay. <laughs> but now that we've got that all sorted out, but well, it's lovely to be talking to you because I've, uh, you know, I've, I've known about you for for a long time. I haven't been a a, a, a present fan since since the very beginning, and it's it's. Uh, I've actually met you on a couple of occasions, sort of fleetingly after gigs in 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 the in the good old days. But that was a, that was a life. Oh, what really? What back in the eighties? Oh yeah, that was a lifetime ago though. Yeah, dodgy haircuts and do, mm. do, dodgy apparel. But uh, yeah, I was a massive fan of the wedding present. It's lovely. It's, I'm just really happy to to connected you with regards to 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 this latest project, which is a wonderful amalgam of. Um, of, of talent and, and, and of genres, and you seem to have captured a, a pretty, a pretty succinct sound. Um, and in, in listening to all of the all of the records since since uh, since last year's "Like You Less," um, mm. you become in, in my world you become very recognisable in terms. Of, if I hear anything off the three releases, I mean it, it's it's noticeably you. It took me a few listens to sort of sort of be able to, to categorise you in my little brain as, as to how you sound, but, but I'm sure that you're yeah. sick, sick to death of, 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 of the, the cliché comparisons and, and pigeonholing, but if I were to ask you, you know, bump into you in a hotel in, in the elevator, as they say over here, what's your elevator pitch? I mean, I, I know that you've got this uh, Shamalik post-punk thing, which I'm fumbling for a translation for, but is that how you, is that how you essentially describe yourself? Um, we played a gig in Hamburg. And uh, someone wrote a review of it, and in that review, um, it basically described it as shamanic. And what was really funny is that Google Translate translated it as crappy. But the, the, the way that it came over is it said that 
Fantastic jet, jet stream pony merch with just Shamalig on, mm. on the front and, and maybe uh, maybe the band's name on the back. But you know, I, I was fumbling to get a decent translation because, of course, there are a million and one translators online, and, and they were they were consistently inconsistent. And, and I, I'm, I'm led to believe, and again, I could be completely wrong, that it's got it's definitely German, but it's got uh, Luxembourg-ish uh, inflections, i.e., it's kind of oh, really? Luxembourg slang. Um, could be wrong, but there, oh. there's something for you to pursue. But um, I got, I, I got I crap. You know what? You put your finger on it somewhere. There. The, the, the idea of having a T-shirt with Shamalig on it sounds great. We've been thinking about it as the name of our album. To be honest. Fantastic. But, um, but the idea of having it on a T-shirt would be great because it's a bit like a proud DIY statement. Really. And, and we yes. just thought, and originally the way that it was translated, it was just really funny. It is, and it's, it's basically we're, all... we're crappier than Beth. <laughs> this is the worst, the worst thing that Beth has ever been involved with. Exactly, that's the one. <laughs> so, so speak, speak, like speaking of Beth, I think we probably are trying to look at the best on the band, but in a different way. I think we're we're definitely raw and rougher than best on the band, certainly. But that's certainly, yeah. certainly not a negative uh, connotation. It just it is what it is, no. as they say. It, it's very much a it's it's a succinct uh, praise of what you do. Now, now, Beth, we all know. I mean, Beth Beth has been around for for quite some time, and is uh, her mm. her career herself is very hard to follow in that. Uh, She's got such a lot of output with, with varying combinations, but always always loved her work. How, how did you uh, end up aligning with her ultimately? Well, what it was, as you may be aware, that we we were both members of the Fireworks. Um, originally, there was a band, the Fireworks, that had a, a different singer, um, but we played a couple of gigs for the Luxembourg Signal. Oh, okay. And, uh, and then when, so yeah, they were great, they were great gigs, and Beth made it fairly obvious that she really liked us as well. And unfortunately, or unfortunately, um, Emma left. I mean, Emma was really good as well, to be honest, but, um, but Emma left the band, and there was only one person we thought was the right person to fill those boots. And, uh, and especially because the Luxembourg Signal and then LA and Beth and Croydon, yes. we obviously thought that she could do the same, we could do both, she could do both at the same time. Yes. And um, so we were both in the fireworks. And in fact, um, to be honest, the, the, the original demos for Jetstream Pony were actually recorded for that band as well. Oh, okay. I wasn't the songwriter of that band, and uh, and I think I produced a few too many. And it start, and we started to discuss that this probably should be a side project, really, rather than um, being fireworks songs. And then what happened, unfortunately, for one reason or another, the fireworks um, came to a bit of a halt, and uh, and Jetstream Pony took over. Right. And uh, I used to be in a band with. Kerry, um, Turbo came in the 1990s, the early 90s, and um, so asked her about playing the bass, and uh, she had a friend who's a drummer, Sarah, and so uh, she got Sarah involved, so that's how we all came together, really. But Beth and me met each other through playing gigs together originally, and then we ended up in fireworks. There's only one fireworks single that has us both on, 
um, but uh, which was released um, about a year and a half ago now. But yeah, that's how we met. Lovely, because I'm glad I'm trying to join all the dots because, of course, you know yeah. that, that's how your career intersected with the two the two sets with, with Beth, and then of course now I'm trying to get my head around Kerry and Sarah, but you've done that quite nicely. So, so, so how, how do you feel in terms of um, be, being a tight, being a tight foursome now when, when you're, when you're, when you're demoing, when you're practicing, are, are, are you uh, happy with, uh, with that sort of chemistry between the four of you? Oh, definitely. And I think that's, that's developing as well, because in fact, originally the demos were recorded really just by myself, then Beth putting the singing on in my bedroom with my iPad. In fact, um, the first single was recorded on my iPad in my bedroom. Marvellous. So, uh, I got, so I can't, that's like you less than had enough. I can't really quite believe it got played on the radio when, <laughs> if you knew how it was recorded. But, um, but, the, but the chemistry is built up a lot. And, and certainly, I mean, for example, um, you know, we get people coming up saying how good our rhythm section is. And people like Sarah in particular, because she's really spectacular live in particular. She looks like she's got about eight arms and legs. <laughs> and she smiles from the top of her head to the to her toes. She looks really spectacular when she's playing. And the chemistry is really developing, actually, particularly, you know, with the new single. But as we're, we're carrying on now, it's really coming together, actually. It's great. Well, the new, the new EP, we'll talk about that in a minute. But the new EP is a, is a wonderful body of work. I just wanted to talk about a couple of things before we get into it. And it was, it was uh, I, I understand that, uh, you know, by virtue of Beth playing, playing the... Uh, the demos to, to, to Kenji, who who's quite uh, quite mm. a re renowned cat, especially in the indie mop top jingle jangle world, especially in Germany. Um, <laughs> uh, Ken, Kenji's a, yeah, he's just a yeah. very multifaceted, just interconnected guy. But but uh, you, you aligned with with Ronnie at uh, at Clyde Underground, and, and uh, yeah, well, this was this was actually the demo because the demos because originally, as I said, they were supposed to be originally they were supposed to be for the fireworks, but. Um, but Beth played them to Kenji, and Kenji really liked them. And Kenji actually played them to Ronnie. So then we went to Ronnie, and, both, and Ronnie said, yeah, I'd like to release this. And what, what we said was, is, you know, we'll re go re-record it and give it back to you. And Ronnie basically said, no, I want to re-record, I want to release the demo. This sounds great, this sounds fine. So no one was more astonished than me, really, about the idea <laughs> that he actually wanted to release those iPad recordings. So that's what he did. He, but, he, but Kenji played them to him. And then Ronnie just said he he liked them as they were. Um, I think he'd probably be quite happy if we were still recording on the iPad. <laughs> the new thing, the new thing was done in the proper studio. But yeah, so um, so yeah, it was really you know best playing it to Kenji. Kenji liked it and uh, playing it to Ronnie, and that's how. And uh, I really like Ronnie's label. He's a lovely guy. Yeah. And um, you know, it's a, it's a really nice little family actually. Climate was good. Chef was great. We've been over to Augsburg to play and stuff as well. Beautiful. It's really, really worked out well. Well, it's a great boutique label of which Germany has a handful of, of, of wonderful boutique labels that, that really are in it for the right reasons. And you've happened upon another one. And, you know, we are talking about Like Your Less and Had Enough. And as I listened to it, I listened to it, and the last time I listened to it was, I think it was yesterday. And granted, it was in the car. There's, there's always road noise, of course, in a car. But um, yeah. I, really, I really do think it, it's marvellous. It's a marvellous recording, especially as you've, you know, you've basically disclosed now that it was recorded essentially on an iPad. Um, it does sound yeah. remarkably good. And, and I wanted to touch upon um, the subsequent release, Charms Around Your Wrist, and then, of course, we're going to yeah. self-destruct. But one thing, one thing that, that I love, and I'm a stickler for this, and, and the listenership will already know this, but I, 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 love, I love physical product, I love lossless product, and I love the aesthetic. And, and you've made a real effort here with the as I say, the look and feel of Jetstream Pony from, 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 uh, from, from the font to the, to, the, to the logo of the band 
to uh, a recognisable theme with all three of your releases. Who's, who's responsible for that? Well, I'm really glad that you say that, actually, because that's my partner, Carol, and, and we're really lucky that we've kind of got an in-house designer. So we gave that, uh, we gave the original series and everything to her. Okay. And, uh, and she's the one who's produced the, uh, the font and, and the sort of wallpaper-type um, slip sleeves. That's it. And I love, the fact that they, I love the fact that they match as well. They do. And um, she's, she's a talented lady, is Carol, and, and I may be biased, <laughs> but... Uh, well, I don't know Carol. I don't know Carol at all. She's done a really good job with that. With sure. That. It's good. It's, uh, yeah, I'm really happy with that. Well, you're not you're not being nepotistic at all. I don't know Carol from any from from, from Adam, and uh, I'm assuming it's Carol Seatery is your wife. And, 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 and yeah, 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 yeah. You're marrying us, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's yeah, it's, it's, it's my partner. We've partner. Got kids and stuff. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just sort of you know. I just wanted to join the dots again with this because I understand it's linen paper, paper artwork, and, and it is to me is it is, is immediately evocative of wallpaper. So I'm, I'm really glad that you you've actually uh, corroborated what, what my initial thoughts were. I just love the aesthetic, and I hope that it continues because it, I think it's a part of your identity now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, it's uh, it's been it's been really good that she's been able to do that, and the wallpaper thing is definitely it is conscious. You know, I think that uh, yeah. that's the kind of she's working on sort of textile type designs um that's what it was intended to be and um and she's got a, a stock of them she's working on other things as well i mean i think she already has an idea of what our next release would look like um and the idea is to keep them to keep that uh the, the imagery similar i think you're you're dead right actually i really you know i really like the the fact that they look like a matching set if you like yes now, Charms around your wrist was done with the iPad as well, um, and that was done quite quickly. We didn't release that physically. It was almost like a Happy Christmas sticker on the website thing, do you know what I mean? Yes. So, um, but yeah, but she still did the artwork for it, and, and actually all of them, I think well, that might even be my favourite artwork, even though it's not physical. But uh, yeah. Truthfully, it's my favourite too, because it's not, it's, not, it's not symmetrical like the other two, which, which, which is almost like verbatim wallpaper, although this just could be well be if you ask her. Could well be just a, a close-up and getting more detail from from something that's a, a repetitive theme like the other ones. Anyway, we, we are digressing, but but the aesthetic is immensely important, and uh, and and even so, and I love the very fact that because you know charms around your wrist and, and all you lot listening out there, uh, name your price on this one on, on Bandcamp at jetstreampony.bandcamp.com. Mm. But uh, it, it's uh, it's a real standalone piece, and I'm just happy that you go to these lengths even if it's just a digital commodity whereby you can't touch it and feel it and pick it up at your local record shop. It's just as important. So, yeah, and I think we always will because, uh, as I say, it's great that uh, Carol can do it and she's got lots of ideas and everything, so it's great to be able to do that. I mean, the actual chance around your wristing itself was um, the Softies are one of the best favourite bands and, and she knows them and I think used to play the old gig with them as well. Yeah. And uh, we just did it as a quick cover version, um, as I say, just to put out at Christmas. It was named the price because it was, as I say, it was done on the iPad again. But I think it came out pretty well. I was quite happy with how it came out. Oh, it came out um, wonderfully. It came yeah. out wonderfully well, yeah. I, I, I marvel. I marvel at uh, talented folks such as yourself. And I also marvel at technology being able to, uh, to work in unison, to turn around stuff that would have taken an eternity 10 years ago. It just still blows my little yeah, mind. absolutely. I mean, Charles, Charles around your wrist kind of took an evening, to be honest, apart from um, Beth putting the vocals on, which it was, you know, it is amazing. It's a pretty good advert for Apple, really. <laughs> it is, it is. There you are, your, your, your check is in the post. Um, now, <laughs> I, 
I understand that I know that you've got a, a big fan in Gideon Co. Um, and it's, it's nice to have uh, fans on national radio. Are you getting uh, airplay aside from, from Gideon? Because I uh, obviously I listen to my fair share of six over here, but you can't be omnipresent on six. Who else is playing you? No, um, at the moment it's just Gideon Co. Actually, I, um, we kind of hope that we would get to further, but uh, but it was Gideon Co. He played it quite a few times. Um, but uh, I would hope that it was um, that, that we would get get further in the future. But at the moment, no, it's Gideon Co. We get we've been played on um, radio stations around the world, so to speak, and yes. different ones. But no, that's the only show we've been played on on six music. But you're right, it's it's great. He's he's played this quite a few times. He played both singles um, quite a few times. So no, we're very very thankful to him really. Good. You need that. You need that shot in the arm. It's always good to have a, yeah. a little bit of help from six and at the beginning of a band's uh, genesis. Um, now, mm. now you you you've, you played live, and um, wh when's the last time you actually played live, and when's the next time you're playing live? Well, the, the last time we played live was quite a notable one because it was at David Gedge's at the Edge of the Sea festival. That's um, so it. we were we were supporting the wedding present in fact um, with lots of other bands. It was really brilliant day actually. It was really mm. friendly. Um, really nice people, some some great other bands, and and uh, yeah, it went really well. That was in, in Brighton in the Concord. Lovely. Um, we yeah, our next gig is on Friday the thirty first of August in uh, at the Islington in London. Okay. Yeah, it's a bit more last minute this one, but um, but we're still looking forward to it. And uh, uh, but I mean the bill has changed kind of last minute, but um, but it should be good. Yeah, no, no. We're looking forward to it. We really like playing live. It's, it's, uh, Good That's what I was going to ask because I mean I, I know I mean you've, you've you've been playing live for for a, a lifetime literally and I didn't realise that the last gig was actually the uh, the Edge of the Sea Fest gig and uh, that must have yeah. been that must have been cool uh, supporting David. David was through town actually a few months ago. I mean he's I mean he's yeah. perpetually on tour it seems. But I was lucky enough to see him here uh, a little while yeah. ago. I had a chat with him because I've sort of chat with him over the years and uh, he's not really changed one iota to be frank, David Gedge. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, no. No. No, he hasn't actually. No, he hasn't. But it's funny, really, there's a lot of stuff at the moment. Um, I don't know if you're aware that someone's done a film about the thirty years of George Best as well and we did a Q and A at the weekend of yes. the film yeah. together. Yeah. So um yeah, it is quite funny because you know, I'm not saying that we're normally kind of over nostalgic, but we've actually been chewing some of the fat about the old days a little bit recently actually. We did the Q and A. Um, the weekend as part of the At the Edge of the Sea Festival. So it was a bit of a funny weekend all round, really. I bet it was wonderfully nostalgic, though, because it's, it's a part of, you know, many, many people's lives, my, myself included, and those those heady days of reception records um, and, <laughs> and, and, and that era, that era of almost... Um, it was it was completely uncoordinated naivety. It was a beautiful time to be a music fan and a gig-goer and just involved, and uh, I'm sure that you hark back to those memories with, with real fondness. Yeah, I do, I do, I do. You know, it's, it's great, actually. I'm, I, and I don't feel, even though, obviously, the end, I guess, was quite acrimonious. I'm, yeah. You know, I'm long, long over that. And I would much rather look back on these times as good times. And um, I'm quite happy, as I say, I've got a couple of kids and stuff like that. To be honest, I couldn't really be in a full-time touring band now anyway. I mean, although when I'm saying that we like playing um, with Jetstream Pony, I don't think it's something we're ever going to go on long tours with. Well, we couldn't really because of jobs and, and everything else, if you know what I mean. I but, do. Um, but it was great to have done it back then and, and to have done that, you know, and that time. I think at the same time, it's one of the things we're talking about with the film. I remember, I think it was in 1986, we played 200 gigs. 
Oh, wow. I mean, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot of gigs. So I don't really want to do that again. Well, yeah. you're physically not capable of it. I don't mean to be. Uh, I don't mean to be ageist, but do you reach a certain point in your life where these things become a real chore? And I think we're around about the same age. And the prospect of doing anything that remotely resembles 200 events in 365 days, it doesn't yeah. even it doesn't even correlate with me because it's just an impossibility. Well, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't really playing slowly either. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. So, so I don't think. Um, yeah, that's not really on the cards. I wouldn't really want to. And as I say, it wouldn't really be, uh, it wouldn't work with the family either, to be honest. You know, I do want to see the kids sometimes. And, uh, and I think that, um, you know, we we, all, we like doing gesturing home. It's, it, it is within the boundaries of what we're able to do, what we want to do. And I think the idea of this now is that if it's fun, we'll do it, if you know what I mean. It's supposed to be fun more than anything else. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did it. But I wouldn't want to have done it for the 30 years or, or maybe the day we've done it for. But then it's different to him because it's his thing, isn't it, if you like? It is. I'm mean, all power to him, really, for, for having managed to um, keep it all going for that time. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Kudos, because it's, it's very hard to have that kind of long... You can have that longevity, but you can also have that longevity without selling a stick of material, which, of course, is not the case yeah. with, with David and Cinerama and all the numerous other projects. So, did you keep in touch yeah. with any of the other lads, like Pete or, and, or anyone else from the band? Um, occasionally, I would say, well, Keith lives in Australia, and um, was always, always, uh, so I haven't really kept in touch with him so much. Um, and he was always, you know, kind of like like to keep himself to himself anyway. Yeah. Really nice bloke, though. Um, with Peter, we've seen, seen him occasionally. Um, David and me actually went up to see the Ukrainians about um, oh, nine years ago now. Oh, okay. We went up to London. It was quite funny because it was... Full of Eastern Europeans going absolutely <laughs> crazy. Well, <laughs> singing, the, singing the Queen is Dead yeah, in Ukrainian. But it was quite nice for three of us meeting up, if you know what I mean. So, um, so, yeah, I think that was the last time I saw him. Well, that's nice because I actually played a Ukrainian track a couple of weeks ago just for just for posterity. Because every once in a while, you've got to pull out that Smiths cover every now and again. You just have to. Yes. So, so <laughs> let me ask you this. I mean, I I understand that, of course. This is not uh, a, a full-time venture because such is such is such is the reality of the project. But uh, uh, what can we expect selfishly as fans of Jetstream Pony as the next release? Um, at the moment, um, you know, we're hoping to have something out kind of early next year, I would say. But we haven't got anything recorded as yet. And actually, one of the things we quite like at the moment is we're going to have like a month and a half break or so because I want to do some more songwriting. Actually, we've oh, got good. some more songs. That we can um, that we can release, but I kind of we need to sort of build up to the album. And at the time of doing self destruct reality, I must admit there was a bit of discussion about putting five tracks on the EP because I was thinking that's going to make the album a bit further away. Yes. I've write, well, I've got to write the song for the <laughs> for the album. Um, so I think that that's what I consider to be my priority now is is getting some more songs together. Um, you know, we would like to release an album next year. Um, so we, but we need to get those together at the moment. I think we've probably got maybe um, four or five songs that haven't been released, but that means we need, you know, at least double that really for yes. the album. So that's yeah. really the next priority, I would say. Good, good. I mean, and it's kind of scary when you think we're nearly into September and back to school, and it will be next year before we can blink, which is which Absolutely. is which is yeah. petrifying, really. And um, we're talking about Christmas next. Now, now, um, I'm just curious because. You've been you've been in a litany of bands with with varying styles, obviously all with an indie, you know, aesthetic and and mm. and, and, uh, and ethic. But 
Um, what are you personally listening to? Are you spending your own money nowadays on, on, on records, or, or are you too immersed in your own uh, your own world at the moment, which is entirely acceptable? Um, recently, I've been a bit immersed in, in my own in my own world. I must admit, but um, but I would say that it's uh, I still you know in a way listen to similar kind of stuff that I listened to that I listened to before. The, the last gig I went to that was a bit that was another band was Bodega. Oh yeah, New York band, aren't they? They're, they're fantastic. They're really good, yeah, punk stuff. And um, and who, who was the one before that? Um, I think Shopping was the one before that. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, I like um, so the, probably the kind of stuff you would expect, really. Yes. Um, I went off on lots of different things. After, after the wedding present, I, think, I went even went through a period in the 90s of liking drum and bass and stuff. But um, I would say in the last few years, um, since I've been doing music again, because I did have about 15 years off or something, um, I, really I've gone back to my indie roots to some extent. I've almost... It's almost like don't fight it. Just go with what you know. <laughs> yes. What, what you're exactly familiar with, because obviously you know I'm looking, still looking for bands that are a bit different. But but uh, I think I've gone back to my sort of indie home. Well, but might, might I suggest this wonderful podcast called Near Perfect Pitch that showcases an array of uh, of breadth of music on a weekly basis. <laughs> Sounds great. Just, just, just a thought. Just a thought. Um, I, I'm, yeah. well, I'm going to re rewind a little bit to, to the softies, the softies cover, um, mm. and I'm just wondering because because I, I do like a good cover, and, and I have to qualify that because covers are a dime a dozen, and by that I mean a good cover, which obviously yeah. that that nuances things to. There's only there's only a few of them kicking about really on a, in any given week, but. Um, is there something that you're burning to cover that you'd love to put, to, you'd love to love to record that you haven't managed to yet? Um, let me think. I don't think that there's nothing that um, that I am aware, I'm aware of. I have actually asked everyone in the band if they have suggestions. Um, one of the things I do like is, I mean, one of the things that was good about the sausage cover, and actually we did a cover version of Cinerama's Kerry Kerry for at the edge of the sea because part of the deal. Mm. But we're not that part of the deal, but what people tend to do one of David's songs. Yeah. Um, so we did that. I would say that the thing about doing the cover version is just to always try and make it your own and try and do it in your own style. Oh, of course. So what we're looking for sometimes, some people will come out with suggestions and sometimes you're thinking that but it will probably sound like, you know, similar to the original to some extent. Whereas I'm kind of looking for something a bit like the, the good thing about the Softies cover version was that um, the softies sound absolutely nothing like us. Yes. And we could, but you know, I could use the sort of chords that I use in Deadstream Pony, and uh, and generally play it. And, and I would say even with the the, the Kerry Kerry um, song, it's a kind of I didn't use the original chords. I just tried to use the kind of chords that I would use to play it. Yeah. So um, there, there's no there, there's no song that I can think of particularly, but I'm kind of looking for songs that we can make ours. If you know what I mean, really I do. I do. We can make our Well, you've you've actually you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, I mean, I, I was asking about covers, but and I, I tried to qualify it with the word, you know, good covers, and, and that that is it. I mean, you've hit the the essence right there, whereby you've got to be able to put your mark on it. There's no point just doing something verbatim and, and just you know checking off the box that you you know you've, you've had an attempt at it. You've got to be able to bring something else to the song, and and that in itself is that's the main filter. Once you can get over that hurdle, then you're halfway home, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even going all the way back to Felicity, you know, yeah. who's kind of, you know, playing playing it fun and playing it yeah. hours, if you know what I mean. Exactly. And just charging through it, if you know what I mean. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a, actually that's a great example, and an old example. I'll grant you that, but a very very good one. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, I've got one last question for you, and and, it, and it, I'm sure you'll get it. Um, 
You don't you don't yet listen to the program, but I'm hoping that, that I can goad you into at least listening to this episode and then see what you think. But yeah. every single week uh, I have a litany of special features, one of which is every artist I interview, usually one or two per show, I ask this very same question at the end, and it's it's amazing how often it stumps people. Um, it's a very simple question. Hypothetically, you're on the East Coast here, you've done a, done a series of gigs, you're around my place, I've got, got a nice... Got the kettle on, you've got, a, you've got a hot cup of tea in your hand, and I bring out the magic biscuit tin from the pantry, whereby you can choose any biscuit, past, present, future, theoretical, hypothetical, what biscuit would you choose? Biscuit? A bickey? Um, got... Yeah, no, well, probably Jaffa Cakes, but I can't have biscuits. Oh, oh, I'm so bloody happy, and I'll tell you why. I've been, do, I've been doing this for years, and I've got an intricate infographic to the, to the point whereby I'm sure Carol would appreciate it. It's very artsy-fartsy. And, and it's got every, every artist adjacent to their biscuit of choice. And whenever mm. I have a placeholder, like a, a placeholder on that infographic, I always put the Jaffa cake in because no one has taken it yet. So thank you. You're the first taker for the Jaffa cake, which I find stunning. But I'm, I'm just relieved now that I have at least one taker. So cheers. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll have the box to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, Sean Charman, Sean Charman is, is the first Jaffa cake taker. I, I'm absolutely made up and I'm not just making this up. Every, every week I marvel at the fact that no one is plumped with the Jaffa cake. So it's been a long time mm. coming. So thank you very much. In, 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 right. in, in the meantime, uh, I suppose it's just about tea time for you now. And, it is. And, uh, yeah. and uh, I'm, I'm about to nestle into it to watch... Uh, a London derby. I'm not sure if you're a football fan, but uh, that, that's uh, Ars- yeah, Arsenal Chelsea right now. Well, no, if, if, if you remember, we started with a Sabutio. <laughs> yeah. At the end, we've got we've got Man United tomorrow. Though this is Brighton. I'm a season ticket holder at Brighton, so I'll be taking my daughter to the Man United game tomorrow. That is magical. Not very much. Not very much hope. <laughs> well, you never. <laughs> you, you never know. You never know. I mean, well, we, we won last year, but but I just can't believe the Lightning will strike twice. I don't know. The, the rest of us. I'm, I'm a Liverpool fan. Always, you know, from from day one, and just because I was brought up in the northwest, and you know, it's like the Granada TV. You make a choice early on, don't you? I mean, you, yeah, sure. But uh, I've got a lot of respect for what you're doing on the south coast there, and I'm hoping that you get some kind of result tomorrow, especially with with, with your daughter. Let's let's hope that the pair of you leave there happy tomorrow. Yes, and you'll be doing, and you'll be doing the rest of us a massive favour. So let's—I'll uh, thank you in advance for that. But in the meantime, Sean, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and, and, I'll, and I'll be in touch with all the details as to when uh, when the podcast is up and ready. Okay, that's great. No, thank you very much. A pleasure. Yeah. Let's let's keep in touch as well, and uh, keep keep keeping posted with all things that are Jetstream Pony. I will do. I'm, no, I'm really glad you like it. And oh, it's... Uh, I hope uh, you know. I hope you like the next stuff. Well, I'm pretty sure I will. I like all th- I like all three so far, so I doubt that's going to change. I'm just looking forward to what's next. So on, okay, on, on that note, look after and talk soon. Ta-ra, Sean. Cheers, Thanks, Bye. Bye. Thank you, Sean. Jetstream Pony. Now you're completely in the loop, you lot. Uh, one more song to play by them. As I mentioned before the interview, we're going to be hearing a tune called Out of Reach. <laughs>
Out of Reach, Jetstream Pony, the third and final track by them, the third and final track off their latest release, the self-destruct reality EP, jetstreampony.bandcamp.com. My thanks, of course, go to Jetstream Pony, Sean Charman, in as much as they do to Dot Dash and Terry Banks. Of course, my thanks go to you for listening, for giving me uh, your very valuable time. And it's time of the programme where I uh, reach out to you in a human way and implore you to kindly share the programme. Listenership is going up week over week. Thousands and thousands and thousands of listeners all over God's green earth, which is lovely. Get lots of labels and bands uh, getting in touch now as opposed to me having to chase them down. However, I still want to take this uh, this programme to uh, higher, higher levels. So on another note, if uh, there's anyone out there who wants to chuck some money at me in terms of sponsorship, I'm all ears. I'm searching for one or two sponsors to uh, take care of the program quite readily for uh, a global audience. So do let me know. Uh, I'd also like to thank uh, immensely CKCU uh, for the use of their studios here in Ottawa at uh, Carlton University CKCU FM. So thanks to every flipping one of you. I'll be back next week with episode 96 and a chat with 14 ice bears. Ta-ra.